Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you get it. Be turning to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. So good to be with you in worship today. I don't know about you, but with all the things happening around our world and the chaos in the world, I look forward to getting to church. Amen. <laughs> look forward to fellowshipping with other believers and encouraging one another in our walk with Christ and to know that Jesus is still on the throne. He is still in charge and we don't have to worry about anything. He's ultimately in charge of all and he will see, it, see us through. We've been talking about in year of 2020, the year of revival. We've been focusing on the year of revival, how our hearts are revived, how our hearts are renewed, how we have a closer walk with God. Today I want to focus, well today in the next few weeks, I want to focus on the theme of walking with God, walking with God, and that is opposed to not walking against God. In other words, as children of God... We ought to be walking with him rather than against him, right? And, and we want to know what it means to walk with God and how we are able to walk with God each and every day. How do you and I choose each and every day to walk with God? Now, if you take notes, I want you to write this little definition of revival. Write this down and think about it this week. Revival is walking hand in hand with God. Revival is walking hand-in-hand with God in the direction He chooses. In the direction He chooses so that we can experience the greater kindness of His favor. Think about that. Revival is walking hand-in-hand with God in the direction He chooses to go, experiencing the greater kindness of of the Father. That's what revival is. It's walking hand in hand with our God, not in the direction I'm going. It's not where I decide what I'm going to do and then I want God to tag along. That's not the way it works. Jesus is Lord, right? And because Jesus is Lord and God is our master, that means he's the one who chooses what direction we go. So revival is walking hand in hand with God in the direction that he chooses to go so that we might experience his kindness and his favor, which is what's called grace or the greater grace of God. Now, do you want to experience God's kindness and favor? I do. How do you experience God's kindness and favor or the greater grace of God? Then walk with God hand in hand as he will direct what he wants us to do. That means, friend, that every day we need to get up and we need to say, Lord, I want to walk with you today in the direction you choose. (laughs) I don't want you to just follow me. I want to follow you. And that's what revival is all about. If we could get to the point where every day we got up and said, I want to walk with you hand in hand, Lord, today in what you would have me to do, the promise of God's word, as you'll see in just a moment, the promise of God's word is that you experience his kindness and his favor or what is called the grace or the greater grace of God. 
So we want to have that revival. So we need to learn how to walk with God. And in order to walk with God and learn how to walk with God, we need to see some principles. And I want to show you a principle this morning found here in James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse number 6. Read with me. As I read aloud, you read quietly. Is what it says. James is writing to the church. Now remember, this is to the church. It says, but he, talks about God, gives a greater grace. You need to circle that word. That's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for that greater grace of God. It says there that it says, he, God, gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, underline these words. This is the principle. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, that's the principle. That's the principle we're going to focus on today in the next couple of weeks. We're going to focus on that principle that is in God's word in the book of James. And it says here in James that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Or he even says he is opposed to the proud, but he gives this greater grace to those who are humble. Now, let me show you something interesting in, in your Bible. Look in your Bible for just a moment. Your Bible should have verse 6, that particular principle I read, it should have it notated some way. It may be in all capital letters. It may be in italics. It, it may have a parenthesis around it. However your Bible notates, but, but what it's telling you is this, is this is not the first place that this has ever been in the Bible. This is not the first place it's ever been in the Bible, but rather this is a quote of something that had been said earlier, and it's actually been said in the Old Testament. It's said in two verses. If you'll look at a little cross-reference of your Bible, we'll do a little Bible study here. The cross-reference of your Bible will tell you where it is. Look under verse number 6. It says that this is a combination of two verses. It's Psalm 138.6 when it talks about he opposes the proud. But then it also is Proverbs 3.34 when he gives favor or grace to that one who is humble. Now, why would I have you to note that? Because it doesn't say James is not the first place that it, it establishes this principle that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. He said that back in the Old Testament. In other words, this is not some new rule. This is the, God's principle all throughout the Bible. This is God's principle because that's his very nature. So in the Old Testament, it said that same thing. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now we come here in James chapter 4, verse 6, and he says that the second time, God is opposed to the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. If you, do you think if the Bible says something one time, it's important? Yes, I do. Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. If the Bible says it one time, it's important. If it says it two times, do you think he, he really wants us to get that in our heart and our mind? Absolutely. Well, what if he says it three times? I think if he says it three times, we ought to write it on the doorpost of our house. We ought to write it on the, our foreheads, and we ought to memorize it and know it because this is a principle. Well, let me show you that in God's Word, it says it three times. Flip just over in your Bible to the next book of the Bible. Isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit put it together? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, 
It says this, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Uh-oh, look right here. See if you ever heard this before. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Have you ever heard that before? Three times in the Word of God, God says to his people, listen, I want you to be humble in your heart. I don't want you to have pride in your life because if you have pride within your life, you are going to, I'm going to have to resist you. But if you will have humility in your heart, I will give to you a greater grace. So we ought to nail that down that God wants us to know, not only to know, but to live by this principle, this principle of pride and humility. Pride where God has to oppose us, humility where God can bless us. And we ought to automatically say, God, I want to be on that side where you're blessing me. I want to experience the greater graces of God. I I want to know that. I want to walk in that. So if it is, we're going to have to discover how to walk in humility. So it's important because God says it three times in his word. All right. Another thing you need to write down is Was the book of James written to lost people or was it written to the church? The church. Thank you. Thank you. The book of 1 Peter, was 1 Peter written to lost people or was it written to the church? Say what? The church. Okay, so, so wait just a second. Whenever this principle is being stated in God's word, this is not a principle that is being stated to a lost man, but it's a principle that's being stated to a saved person, to a person who has a relationship with God, to a person within the church. And he's saying that to you and me in our lives. Listen, even though you're my child, even though that I've saved you even though you're redeemed, even though you're headed for heaven and you have a home in heaven. Understand this. You're going to have to deal with in your life this issue of pride. Pride is going to creep in in every form, in every way, in every shape. It's going to try to move into your heart and life. And if you let that pride creep into your life, even though you're my child, I'm going to have to oppose you. So you're going to have to pursue and you have to look for and you have to desire and want in your life, to live by humility, to live by humility. So I want you to understand it's important because it's it's stated it three times. Another thing is stated to believers. Now, it's not that unbelievers don't have pride. (laughs) They do have pride, right? Matter of fact, the reason that most people do not come to Jesus, listen to me now, The reason that most people do not come to Jesus and they remain an unbeliever is because of pride. It's about pride. Because what do you have to do? What do you have to do to be saved? In order to be saved, you have to humble yourself, admit that you're a sinner, admit that you failed, admit that you cannot save yourself, and you have to ask him to save you. That requires humility. Your old sinful pride says, I can do it myself. I can be good enough. I can work hard enough. I can look good enough. I can can make it myself. That's what pride says. But you're never going to be saved that way. 
You're never going to save yourself. You're never going to be good enough. That can never happen. It's a pursuit you'll never find. You'll never achieve. But many, many people, by the masses of people, have pride in their heart as they have that pride in their heart. They keep pursuing. They keep pursuing to be good enough rather than humbling themselves and saying, God, my only hope is you. My only hope is you. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless without you. So I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. That's why lost people remain lost. But you're not lost if you know Jesus Christ. But even though you're saved, you're going to have to deal with this issue of pride. This issue of pride. And you're going to have to make the choice. Are you going to walk in the greater grace of God? Or are you going to walk where God has to oppose you or resist you? Which one are you going to choose to do? Well, I want to answer this question. Why is it? Why is it that, that pride is such an issue that God says that he would oppose it? Hold your hand here for just a minute and turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. I want you to hear what the Word of God says about how God feels about pride. It's in verse 16 of Proverbs 6. Listen to this. There are six things which the Lord hates. Stop there for just a minute. That is the strongest word in the Hebrew language. That word he uses for hate. God despises. Now, can can you imagine? There are certain things, six things, yea, seven, that God despises, that God hates. Now, look at the very first one. It says, there are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Here it is, verse 17, haughty eyes, haughty eyes. Some translation, King James says, a prideful look, a prideful look. Now, do you know what haughty eyes are? You know what a prideful look? It's, It's not the way a person's eyes actually look. But what it's talking about is that pride, whenever you got pride in your heart, it changes how you look. It changes how you see. It changes how you view things. It changes how you view God. It changes how you view yourself. It changes how you view others. When you got pride in your heart, it will distort your vision. You're going to see things all mixed up. That's not the way things really are. That's what pride will do in your heart and life. Now, you might say, oh, I don't think that really happens. Well, just come back the next few weeks. You'll find out how it happens. You'll find out that that you, you may be struggling that with more than what you think you are. For all of us are. If, we, if, we were, if we're going to struggle with it, why would, why would he say twice in his word, you better be careful. You better be careful. Let pride creep into your heart. God's going to have to oppose you. God's going to have to oppose you. If you let that happen in your life, he's going to oppose you. But he wants to give to you a greater grace. Do you think God wants to oppose you or that God wants to bless you? Thank you for the two people over here who said bless. Let's try that one more time. Do you think God God wants to oppose you or God wants to bless you? He wants to bless you. Absolutely he wants to bless you. That's what God's cheering you on to have humility of heart so he can bless you. 
He's cheering you on to walk hand in hand with him as, as he sets the direction so that he can show you his kindness. That's what God wants for you. It's a whole lot more fun for God, just like for parents. If we get to bless our children rather than oppose our children, rather than resist our children. So God wants to bless us. Now, why do you think God hates pride so much? Well, it's, it's the cause of all the trouble. It really is. It's the cause of all the trouble. Why did Lucifer fall? Why did Lucifer fall, who was the archangel, and he fell and became Satan? Why did he fall? What, what, was the, what was the problem of Lucifer? The problem of Lucifer was pride, wasn't it? He didn't want God to be God. He wanted to be God instead of God. I'll make myself out to be God. I'll elevate myself to position of God. He was not willing to submit to God, wanted to be God, and therefore it caused him to fall, and a third of the angels who fell with him. Do you understand why God would hate pride? You ought to hate pride too. Because most of the problems you've got is because old devils and demons are bothering you, right? And troubling you. Why are they there? Because of pride in their heart and their life. But that's not all. God created Adam and Eve in a perfect man and woman in a perfect world. And what happened to them? They fell and sin entered into the world. And why did sin enter into the world? Why did they fail? Because of pride. Instead of them doing what God told them to do and not partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Even Adam thought that they knew better than God. They listened to the old serpent to deceive them. And whenever they heard what he said, it pricked their heart to think, hey, that's good for me. I think this is the best thing for me. I'm going to do what I want to do rather than what God told me to do. And sin entered into the world. And you deal with sin in your life today because Adam and Eve had pride in their heart and their lives. And let's go a step further. All the trouble that you go through and all the troubles of our lives and all the trouble in this world, and it is a world of suffering, all those troubles, do you know what the root problem of most of it is? If not all, pride. Pride. I want my way. I'm important. I have to have it. You have to watch out for me. Take care of me. It's all about me and I. And all the troubles and all the pain and all the agony of life. Most of that's because of pride. So you can understand why. I can understand at least why God. Why God would say that he hates pride. And why he would oppose pride. Now that's the principle And it's stated very clearly. You can't miss that principle. But let's see the picture that's painted in that principle. What's the picture? The first words are this. God opposes. He opposes the proud. Now that word opposes is a military term. It means to draw up a battle alignment against another force. Two armies go to battle. One draws up an alignment on this side. One draws an alignment on that side. And they're in opposition to one another. And there's going to be a battle that's going to happen. 
And in regard to that battle, it's going to take place and it's going to keep encountering that battle over and over again until finally one of those armies is going to win and the other is going to succumb to that and they defeat the enemy. That's a battle alignment. Well, God says this. I am going to draw up a battle alignment against my child, my children, if they choose to live in pride. I'm going to drop a battle alignment again. I'm going to drop a force. My force is going to oppose them, stand against them, resist them, because the pride of their life is causing them to go the wrong direction. I'm going to oppose them. A few little notes that you need to write down in regard to it, okay? One thing is this. If God ever draws up a battle line against you, you're not going to win. You're not going to move that line. He's an all-powerful God, amen? If anything, the Word of God it reveals is, is he can just speak a word and, and defeat enemies, can he? He has an angel take care of whatever he needs to take care of. I mean, when God draws up a battle line against you, it is not going to move. You will not defeat it. That means that if you have pride in your heart and your life and, and you decide that you're going to live in that pride and God draws up a battle line against you, you're moving nowhere from there. You're going to move forward none beyond that. Hold on a second. Well, how do I know that? How would you know that in my life? Or how would that be played out in my life? Here's what happens. You become stagnant and you're stuck right where you are. You're just stuck where you are. Now, you might be satisfied to stay where you are, but you shouldn't be. You should be wanting to grow, right? You should be getting to know the Lord better each day. You should have the new blessings of the Lord and the favor of the Lord upon you. You don't want to live in, in a stale, stagnant life, but you're going to live in a stale, stagnant life because you're not going to proceed in the ways of God and the blessings of God because God has drawn up a battle line against you. Let me, let me tell you what happens in there. Many believers... They're, they're standing right there. Many believers are standing right there. God's drawn up a battle line, and they're not moving. And they're in that stale, stagnant state, and they're wondering, man, why is it Christianity fun? Why is it Christianity? Why aren't things happening in my life they need to happen? Why isn't that taking place? Why is there a new adventure every day? Because pride, your pride has caused God to have to oppose you. To stand against you because you're going the wrong direction. You're thinking the wrong thoughts. The wrong person is on the throne of the heart. And he's going to oppose you. Not because he doesn't love you. He's going to oppose you because he does love you. He loves you enough that he's not going to let you to walk, walk the wrong direction. He's not going to bless you by going the wrong direction, doing the wrong things. He wants you to come and to walk hand in hand with him. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. 
Now, I, I can tell for some of you, this is really hard to hear. I mean, we, we in our minds, sometimes our relationship with God is that everything is good and wonderful with God, and he blesses us and all wonderful things, and all the bad things, what the devil does, and God would never, God would never stand against me. God would never oppose me. God would do. That's not the kind of God that I worship and serve. Well, it's the God of the Bible. I don't know what kind you worship and serve. It's the God of the Bible. He says in his word distinctly that he will oppose you as his child if you have pride in your heart. If you live with pride in your life, he's going to oppose you. You you ought not have a hard time understanding that. You ought to be thankful for that because you, you should do the same thing when you're a parent, shouldn't you? I mean, as a parent... The most difficult thing as a parent is having to discipline your child. And what do you do when you discipline your child? You stand against your child. You oppose your child. You resist your child. That's not fun. We don't like to do that, but we must do that. If you do not do that, then your three-year-old will be playing in the middle of the street. Because you haven't set any barriers for them and you haven't punished them and helped them to know what's the right thing to do. As a parent, you have to set standards and there are times that you have to oppose them because they're going the wrong direction. They're doing the wrong thing. It's not going to be a blessing to their life. And love says, I must do it. I must do it. And God loves so much that he will do it. Not for hurt, not for pain, not for the joy of that, but because he cares about us. He wants us to be better. He wants us to be good. That's not easy when you're the child of God, is it? It wasn't easy when I was a child. You always remember your famous, the famous things parents all say. This, is, this hurts me more than it hurts you. When I was a kid, I wanted to say, well, let's change places. Because <laughs> it sure hurt me. But whenever you became a parent, you understood that, didn't you? When you became a parent, you understood what it meant. That, that it really did hurt more than the physical. It hurt because it hurt your heart. That you had to oppose your child because they're going in the wrong direction. But you're willing to because you love them that much. You love them that much. I'm certainly, my kids can tell you, I was certainly not a perfect parent. I had inconsistencies about how I disciplined, did things. I, I wasn't a perfect parent. But let me tell you about our Heavenly Father. He's a perfect parent. He He never gives in. He he only blesses when we change. He never gets tired. He never gets tired, never gives in. And he really doesn't feel sorry for us when we throw our own pity party. He doesn't. We try all of those things, just like our children try those things. It doesn't work with God. It may work with parents, it doesn't work with God. My my daughter's here today. My daughter, uh, of, of my three children, I always say about her, she had the most... She had the most interesting way to deal with me. She could ask the same thing 15 times to try to get a different answer each of those 15 times. You know, and and she just keep asking you and asking you. You know what? Finally, I just say, well, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Just go ahead. 
The Heavenly Father doesn't do that. He sticks there. He's patient. And, and, and whenever we try to throw pity parties and give in, he don't, he, he's not worried about pity. He is a faithful father. And whenever he says that he opposes pride in your heart, in your life, he opposes pride in my life, he will do that. And he will not change. He will not change. He's the perfect heavenly father. He's the perfect heavenly father. So what's the principle? I'm going to oppose you. That's what he says. I'm going to oppose you when you've got pride in your life. But I'm going to give you a greater grace. I'm going to give you unbelievable favor. I'm going to pour this on you and shine on you when you have humility in your life. Now, why would, why would God want to bless humility so much? Why, why, would he, why does he love humility so much that he wants to bless that in your life and show you not just grace, but greater grace? Why would he do that? Because that's who his son was. Isn't that what Philippians 2 is all about? Philippians 2 is all about the humility of Jesus. That Jesus was humble and would have this attitude in us just as it was in Christ Jesus. So he, he dwelt with God in the form of God. He, he gave that up to take on the form of man, to become a bondservant. Not only that, to die on a cross. Not for my good, his good, but for my good. He looked out for my interests. He cared about me. It was all about me, not about him. And God loves humility, for he is humble. And he wants that humility in your heart, in your life, and he wants to be able to bless you because of that humility being in your heart and your life. He wants that for you, and he promises that he will bless that. So, so based on that picture, what, what, what are the options? What are the things we have to do? When you find out that you got pride in your heart, when you find out that pride is, is part of what's moving you in your life, then you're going to have to change direction. You're going to have to change direction. You're not going to be able to, to oppose him. You're not going to be able to go against him. You're not going to be able to go beyond his, bar, his barrier. So you're going to have to change direction. You know what changing direction, what the word, what's that good Bible word we use for changing direction? We don't talk about it very much anymore. Used to talk about it more than we do now. What was that good Bible word about change direction? What was it called? Repentance. That's right. Repentance. That's, that's what repentance is. Repentance is that you come up here and, you, and you're walking in pride and you're going direction and God draws up a battle line against you and you realize I'm not going to go anywhere and he's not going to bless me in that and I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to repent. It means about face. I'm going to turn and I'm going to walk a different direction. And if I'm now walking a different direction than when he opposed me, I'm not walking against him. I'm walking what? With him. And, and when I'm walking with him, when I'm walking with him, then there is the abundant grace and favor of God. And so it's simply, it's simply a choice that you and I make. We don't have to make a big deal out of it. It's simply a choice. 
Well, we find out that we're going the opposite direction because of pride in my life. And he reveals that to us and says, I'm going to stop you right here, son. I'm not going to bless you here until you turn your heart and change your life. Then I can simply say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm going against you and I want to turn and I want to walk with you. And I want to experience your favor and your kindness and your grace in my life. And he says, that's exactly what I want to give you. That's exactly what I want to give you. And so what James and Peter both are saying is, is child of God, child of God, you have a choice. You don't have to walk in pride. You, you can walk in humility. You can experience the blessings of God. So here's what I want you to gain, gain from this. I want you to gain this practice. Write this down. This is the practice that I want you to gain from this. Something that you need to do. Something you need to apply. Here's the practice. Renew the practice of repenting. Just renew the practice of repenting. How long has it been since you actually got before God, confessed your sin, and repented? That means change direction. Now, hold on a second. We all can act like we did, but how long has it been since you got before God and you actually said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. Not all my sins. I'm sorry for this sin. I'm sorry for this attitude, for this action. I'm sorry for what I did, what I said, what I shouldn't have said, what I should have done. You confess your sin because you realize that that sin is coming out of your heart of pride. And you say, God, I'm sorry for that. I I want you to forgive me, and I'm going to turn... And I'm going to begin to walk with you, not against you. So that I can experience your favor and your kindness. I want you to practice that this week. You say, well, I don't need to repent. Why don't you come live with me for a while? Let's find out whether you... Let me. We all need to repent, don't we? Let me tell you, let me tell you if, you want to know, if you want to know how much it'll quicken your heart about repentance, this is all I want you to do. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Y'all got that? Exodus chapter 20, and I want you to read the Ten Commandments. If you can't do that, go in the New Testament where Jesus said there are two commandments. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, your heart, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you can't get ten, just take two. Amen? And then you set out, I'm serious now, you set out in your heart and mind every day, you think about those commandments, and you set out in your heart and mind, you're going to live them fully today. You'll find out about lunchtime, you realize there are reasons to repent. There are reasons to repent. And so I want you to be sensitive to that. I want you to see and whenever that old pride within you boils up inside of you, that big eye trying to defend yourself and, and watch over yourself and get the best for yourself and all of those things that happen within us, oh, yes, they do. Then you just say, God, I, I confess that's not of you and I want forgiveness and I want to walk with you in humility of heart. The grace of God is good, but the greater grace of God is better. Amen? And I want you and me to experience the greater grace of God. That's what revival is, the greater grace of God. And how do we have it? Because we learn to repent. We learn to repent. Now, 
I want you to come back next week, all right? Don't miss out next week. The old devil's going to try to get you to miss next week, I can tell you. Because right now, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. I can look at you. I can tell you. Y'all, y'all feeling really good. You're, you're thinking about that person over there. They need to get right. But I hope, I hope they're listening to what Brother Max said. Because I'm telling you, I know some of them have got a bunch of pride in their life. Y'all know them? You know the ones I'm talking about? Just not you, right? Because we all feel pretty good about ourselves. Ah, I'm doing pretty good. I didn't run over anybody. Murdered anybody. I feel pretty good about myself. Just come back next week. All right, I'm just going to give you a little test next week and, and let you find out. We're going to define pride more distinctly. Well, what is pride? What does it look like? What does it look like in my life? What does it look like in your life? How does that act it out? We're going to get, show you in the Bible the, the examples. And I'm going to just give you a test. I'm going to give you a test. I'm going to outline what pride looks like, and you'll have a chance to evaluate your own life based on that to see whether or not pride might be an issue for you. I can tell you it is. It's an issue for all of us. For all of us. Sometimes when I'm humble, I'm proud that I'm so humble. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I mean, sometimes you, you can feel like you're a humble. Man, I'm really humble now. To the point I'm proud of it. Pride can come in so many forms and so many shapes and so many ways. And God is having to oppose us and resist us because He loves us and He wants the best for us. And we're going to have to learn how to walk with God. One of those things is dealing with our pride and seeing what it is. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.